This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Today we consider the well-known account of David and Goliath. This event is recorded for us in 1 Samuel 17. Though we will study the entire confrontation between this young man of faith and the heathen giant, we will concentrate our attention in the main on 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 through 47. These are the particular words David spoke to Goliath just prior to slaying him. We read there, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." These were bold words thrown by David into the face of his raging foe, but words that indeed came true. We consider the account before us. The Philistine enemy was attempting to take from Israel several of the cities that lay upon its border. Their armies were now firmly planted on a mountain facing the valley of Elah. The armies of Israel had in turn quickly hurried to defend their borders. Saul, therefore, had positioned his armies on another mountain opposite the Philistines on the other side of the valley of Elah. One army on one mountain and the other on another mountain with a valley in between. The Philistine army had its champion, the giant Goliath. He was a hulk of a man standing about ten feet tall. He was frightening in his stature and in his armor. Every morning Goliath would come out of his tent and throw insults and taunts in the face of the Israelite army. He defied Israel, and worse, he defied the God whom Israel served. It was against this Goliath that the army of Israel was called to stand. But it was before him that Saul and his army cowered in fright. They were weak in their faith. They had forgotten the God whom they served. The result was they were afraid. They were unable to make a stand against this enemy of God and Israel, the church. David had come to the camp of Israel only in order to visit his brothers and to see how they fared. While he was there, Goliath came out and challenged Israel. David heard and waited to see the response of Israel. When he saw these trained soldiers cower and flee to their tents, 
David was righteously appalled. David then chose to go and fight this uncircumcised Philistine. In faith, David chose to make the stand that none of the others dared do. That faith of David stands out in this passage of God's word we consider today. That David's faith stands out in this account is obvious. To understand, however, how David's actions were those of faith, and not just the careless and reckless actions of some impetuous and foolish youth, we ought to understand what faith is. Faith, first of all, is that power of God's grace by which he binds the child of God to him at the moment of regeneration. At that specific moment, God sends forth his spirit to dwell in the hearts of each one of his children. When that spirit begins his work in us, immediately we who were dead in our sins are now made alive in Christ. This is true because at the moment of our regeneration, God grafts a dead sinner into Jesus. God binds us to Christ. And in this way, the life of Christ that is in him flows forth into you and me. When this happens, we come to know God and we come to place our confidence in him. That knowledge and confidence, that faith David exhibited in his life. Yet, the sticky question is, was David the only child of God in all those armies of Israel? Surely God had other of his people among those armies. Just because Saul was not one of them does not mean that there were no other believers in Israel. Why did not any of these men rise up to the challenge of Goliath, since every child of God has been given by God that gift of faith? Well, because though faith is a gift that comes with salvation, a gift of God in us, such faith also reveals itself in the life of a believer. In other words, faith is not just some stagnant power in us. It's not something that is there but never comes to manifestation in the life of a believer. Faith is not a work of God on us. Faith is a power that God works in and through a believer. Faith becomes, becomes active in the heart, the thoughts, and the desires of a child of God. Faith becomes active in this way. It works within us a conscious knowledge and assurance of God. Well, at times, that knowledge and confidence of faith can be weak. It does not always motivate a believer as it ought. Faith fluctuates as an activity in the heart and life of a child of God. Though no doubt there were believing soldiers in Saul's army, nevertheless, their faith at this time was weak. Not so with David. The knowledge he had of God lived in his heart. And with this knowledge of faith, David was also given by God the confidence of faith and implicit trust in God. It was not, therefore, only the knowledge of faith that David exhibited, but the confidence of faith, too. David exuded confidence, and that revealed itself in David's actions. Saul attempted to fit David with a suit of armor. But David was clumsy in armor, since he was not a seasoned warrior. Instead, he chose for his weapons, his staff, and 
his slingshot, nothing more. As David walked to meet Goliath, he stopped by a brook and chose five smooth stones to put into his shepherd's bag. Then he walked out to meet Goliath. When Goliath saw someone coming from the camp of Israel to challenge him, he went with his shield-bearer to meet David. However, when David or Goliath saw David, a young man in nothing more than shepherd's clothing, a young man fair and ruddy, that is, having a young, healthy-looking skin, he disdained or belittled David. My dog, that you come to meet me with staves? Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds and beasts. David's response was not one of fear, but of faith in God, confidence. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. I come to you in the name of the Jehovah of hosts. This day Jehovah shall deliver you into my hand. David knew God. He did not simply know some facts about God, but he knew God as his God and the God of Israel. Goliath had not defied Israel. Goliath had defied Jehovah, whom David served. David knew that this God, whom Israel served, was the only God. God ruled over all. He ruled the nation of Israel, but God ruled over the Philistines too. He was the Lord of hosts, the one who controlled the armies of men, and the outcome, therefore, of every battle. David knew, therefore, that this battle was not up for grabs, so to speak. The battle belonged to Jehovah. And more, David knew that Jehovah was the God of Israel. God had chosen Israel for his people. God had placed his name there. This was his covenant people whom he loved. Out of all the peoples of the earth, God dwelt in Israel. David knew that. He believed that. Moreover, David knew that God was the God of his salvation. God saves. God saves not by sword or spear. God saves his people by faith. You see, by faith we are united to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is Christ that saves. He's the captain of our salvation. Oh, it's true that David was not thinking in particular of Christ here when he spoke of the fact that God saves, but nevertheless, that was the ultimate end of David's faith. God was the God of Israel and saved Israel because Israel carried in her bosom the Christ, the Messiah. With that knowledge and confidence, David now walked forward to meet his foe. So, that took faith. I mean, look at the odds from a human point of view. Goliath was twice the size as David. He had weapons against which no man could stand. He had armor. Besides, Goliath was a seasoned warrior. David was a young man who had never fought against men before. David had no weapons to speak of. I mean, if David might have had a long-range rifle with a scope, then I suppose Goliath would not have been much of a threat to him. But David had to face this giant Goliath in hand-to-hand -hand combat. The slingshot would do little against helmet and armor. 
what was a little stone after all. But David had confidence. I come to you today in the name of Jehovah of hosts. All you have is a sword and a spear. This day Jehovah will deliver you into my hand. You, not, you do not stand a chance, Goliath. I will take your head off of your shoulders today. I mean, that was real trust in Jehovah. Humanly speaking, David did not know the outcome of his fight with Goliath. I mean, who would know what was going to happen, but David believed in God. Clinging to God, David was not afraid to face these insurmountable human odds. All of this revealed itself in the words that David now spoke to Goliath. He did not cringe, he did not run, he did not hide. This young man in faith went to meet this strong foe to fight him. Now these actions of David are exemplary to you and me of what constitutes faith. When God unites us to Jesus Christ, the result is a knowledge but also a confidence in God and in His Son. A knowledge and confidence that can overcome insurmountable odds in our lives. A knowledge and a confidence that can overcome the greatest of hurt and pain and the most problematic of difficulties. Faith trusts that God uses everything, no matter what it is in this life, that may befall us, for our good. The faith of the armies of Israel had waned. They were led by a king in whom there was no faith, after all. And these armies saw the power and the might of the wicked world they faced, and instead of going forth in faith, they fled. They might have known God, but the knowledge of God was not enough for them to keep a single eye focused on him. Who could possibly stand against this mountain of a man? They looked at how powerful their enemy was, you see. They looked at that enemy through human eyes, and their trust in God wavered. David's did not. Ah, to have the faith of David in those days. Ah, to have the faith of David in the days in which we live. To have the boldness to confront those who hate God and the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in a society that tolerates our serving God, even though many in our society and now also in our government frown on us for doing so. But the day comes when that will no longer be true. The enemies of the church in this world are becoming more and more vocal. Not only do they pass a sideways glance at the truths of Scripture the faithful church seeks to maintain, but more and more the Christian values of those who believe are being attacked. The sanctity of marriage between a man and his wife is challenged. Uncontrolled anger is expressed toward those who condemn the killing of unborn babies those who oppose the sexual lifestyle of this world on the basis of Scripture are labeled. There comes a day when the spiritual enemies of the church and God's people, enemies who show overwhelming strength, 
will openly attack the church in order to destroy her. The challenge of the wicked is already being placed before believers today. We need to live in the knowledge and confidence of faith in order to make a bold stand against those who openly defy God and His people. In fact, that stand is not a future reality. We need to live in the knowledge and confidence of faith to make a bold stand against those who openly defy God and His people today, right now. Do we have Davids among us? David is our example today. Not the armies of Israel, David. We must dare to stand against the Goliaths of this world. We must go forth in faith, conquering and to conquer. I know how frightening the world is. I know how powerful the temptations are that they cast at us. But we live in faith, the faith of David, consciously standing unmoved by those who would attack us. But that takes knowledge first of all. Do you know God? Do you know what God's Word teaches? We cannot stand if we are not equipped with the Word of God, after all. With no knowledge of the Bible and what it teaches us, we will cower, as did the, the armies of Israel. At the same time, this knowledge we have of God and of Jesus Christ must dwell in our hearts as the motivating force of our lives. Is that knowledge yours? Is that knowledge that this God is our God, the God of His people, who has chosen us and who dwells with us? Is it a knowledge that is drawn to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, a knowledge by which we know Christ and the salvation that He has earned for us there? Do we know that if God is for us, for Christ's sake, then nothing can be against us? Do we believe that? Then we must be confident, too. Confident that the battle against sin and Satan is ours. No, it is the Lord's. Christ has conquered sin and Satan for his people. This wicked world and its unbelief cannot prevail against us. The victory was already won for us at the cross of Christ. Though we may not see the end of the particular battle we must fight in our lives, we do know that the battle is the Lord's. That means we can be assured of victory after victory. Now we must yet consider the victory David received through God. You know, it is amazing how God works in the life of his children. God worked faith in David's heart. God strengthened that faith in his child. I mean, obviously, even this boldness of David's faith was not something that he came by naturally. God, God had to work that in him. But when God performs such a work in us, it also bears fruit. Faith that does not result in good works is not true faith. True faith unites us to Christ so that Christ's life become ours. That life of Christ in us produces fruits in us. So the child of God, through the grace of God who works in him, the will to do of God's good pleasure, brings forth good works, at times valiant works. same is true of David. In boldness, David goes forth to battle against Goliath. This giant of a man ran toward David in all the fierceness and wrath of a warrior. David's challenged 
and angered him. Angered him enough that he was out to kill. But David did not turn and run. David did not hesitate and waver. He did not even remain standing until Goliath came to him. David in faith ran toward Goliath. As he ran toward this giant, he reached into his script and pulled out one of the smooth stones. While looking steadfastly on his enemy without missing a step, David put the stone in his slingshot. While running, David lifted the slingshot above his head and began to make it whirl. Then David let that stone fly. No doubt David was skilled with a slingshot, but to hit the giant exactly where that stone went, it was next to impossible. The helmets that the Philistine used for battle had a little piece of metal that covered almost entirely one's forehead. There had to be only the smallest of an area that was exposed, but it was to that part of Goliath's head that God led that stone. Do not forget that. The battle was the Lord's, not David's. God directed that stone to hit Goliath right there in the forehead, the stone sunk into the brow of Goliath, no doubt hitting perhaps even cracking his skull, who knows. The impact was enough to knock this giant of a man to his knees and then to his face. Just what damage that stone did, the Bible does not reveal, but it certainly was enough to knock this man out of his senses. While Goliath lay upon the earth, David continued to run upon him. David then picked up Goliath's own sword, lifted it above his head, and brought it down on the neck of this Philistine, severing his head from his shoulders. The giant was dead. A shepherd boy, with a sling and a stone, killed him. The victory of faith was his. Israel then followed this young man and won the victory over the army of the Philistines. David was given the victory through that God in whom he believed. We must believe that to be true of God's people today, too. The victory is ours. We need not doubt or fear in our battle with this unbelieving world. We not, need not quail. The victory is ours in our Lord Jesus Christ. Is this not what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 57 and 58? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Notice the admonition Paul gives there in this, in verse 58. Be steadfast, unmovable. That is the word of God to every believing Christian today. First of all, do not join the world in its unbelief. Second, do not lay down your weapons and surrender to the wicked. Third, do not cower before them when they slander and even abuse you. But fourth, make a stand. Be steadfast and unmovable in that stand. God will give us the victory. We can be assured of that. Belief. The victory is ours. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are thankful that thou art our God, that we are thy people for Christ's sake. He has won the victory for us at the cross already, and we can go forth today with boldness and in faith, confident that thou wilt give unto us what is necessary to stand in this world. 
grant that to us too, just as thou didst to that little shepherd boy, David. Grant to us now thy blessing today and in the week to come. For Jesus' sake, amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.